You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode 240 of the Blended Family Podcast. We are now in October, which is so hard to believe. Time just feels like it's zipping on by, doesn't it? Well, I guess I should have let you know in September that it was Life Insurance Awareness Month. And as many of you know, we have a financial company that we also do aside from this podcast. And life insurance is one of those things that most people don't really ever want to think about. And I know I've talked about it before in the show. There are a couple of different kinds. You have uh, permanent and you have term. And people don't always know the difference. And I just want to let you know that we offer both of those and we are more than happy to help. It's something that a lot of people are thinking about right now, you know, with the whole scare of the virus. Some people are thinking, hey, I need to get my things in order and it's not as expensive as you think. And it really gives you a peace of mind when you know, God forbid anything happens, your family is going to be protected. And so if anyone is interested in getting a free quote or even just like learning more about life insurance, about how it works, uh, teaching you how that works is something that we do as well as educating people on just financial topics in general. So if anyone is interested in that, you can always sign up a free consultation with me on the scheduling link, which is blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash schedule. Now I've got a fun interview today with someone who wrote a book on getting to the table more often and I think you're really really going to like this conversation as well as I'm going to be giving away his book at the very end of the show so make sure that you don't go anywhere and you stay tuned for that so you can hear that. Now last week we heard from Jacqueline Newman who talked to us about five ways that COVID is going to have an unprecedented effect on the future divorce rates. So I hope that you got enjoyment out of that. If you heard it, if not, you can go check that out, episode 239. And then next week, I'm really excited for you. I've got a new affiliate coming on board. And I tell you what, this one is something I've been wanting to share with you for a few months, but I've been really testing the product myself to make sure that it is of the best quality Uh, and you're going to be hearing from her next week and there's going to be some epic giveaways she is just giving away so much so make sure that you come back next week and this is going I don't want to give too much away but this is going to be a self-care product um, for your physical health and also I I would even um, say for your emotional health as well it's been just helping me tremendously so that's going to be next week with Kristen Bowen Uh, She's the owner of Living the Good Life Naturally. And so we'll hear from her next week. And you have heard some of my commercials. I've started to roll them out a couple of weeks ago for some other affiliates. And my affiliates is just a way for me to help uh, pay for the show, really, right? I don't get paid to do this. I do it for free. 
and the affiliates just help pay for the costs because uh, it does take me time and it, there are some internet expenses and things like that so and I only have people on that I believe in and that I believe that are going to be beneficial to my listeners I don't just have anybody on the show and so if you want to support the show in that way or if you ever hear any affiliate on the show that you're interested in you can always go check my show notes and at the bottom if you scroll down you'll see that I've got a listing there of all of them let's see other announcements the only other thing I wanted to let you know is Facebook's getting a little weird lately just with a lot of well first of all a lot of the negativity that's floating around based on the current events but also um, with their censorship and so there's a possibility that eventually in the near future I might be switching platforms uh, I know there's a lot of you over there in the group so I'm not expecting everybody to move but what I would love everybody to do if you're not already a member of my list please subscribe because it is the best way for me to get a hold of you if there are any changes that I need you to know about if I do start something on a different platform or whatever even if there are any specials uh, and that link is blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash subscribe I will not spam you. I will not send you a million emails every day for the next few weeks like some do, and that's okay, but I, I don't have time for that. Uh, and I know that you don't, right? You're, you're a blended family. You don't have time to read a million emails. You'll just get about one a month from me is all. But like I said, it's just a great way for me to be able to get a hold of you as well as when you are a member of the list, you're going to automatically be entered to win into these contests that I do into these drawings and like I said we've got a book giveaway at the end of today's show next week there's such a big giveaway that I think we're going to do something a little creative with that one but at any rate sign up for the mailing list so that way we can stay connected and that is all I have for today's announcements I hope that you guys are doing really really well enjoy this interview right after a quick word from this week's sponsor Are you feeling overwhelmed by the effort and responsibility of being a parent? The Guidance Approach to Conscious Parenting is a revolutionary approach that helps you raise healthier, happier children and gives you the tools to feel successful as a parent. And you can achieve this transformation in just three months when you join the 90-Day Parenting Reset course. Catherine Celery, three times TEDx speaker and mom of two, has taught thousands of parents, children, and executives on conscious communication for over 20 years. She grew up in a blended family herself and learned firsthand the journey of integrating his, hers, theirs, and it wasn't always easy. It's driven her from the heart to create a program for families to overcome hurts, create safe containers for connection, understanding, and love. To learn more about Catherine and her amazing program, you can check out episode 237 when she joined me on this show, or just head on over to blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash 90 day reset, which will take you directly to her site to sign up. And you can save 10% off the 90 day parenting reset course when you use my promo code blended 10. What are you waiting for? Get started today to learn how to become the parent you always intended to be. 
Today, my guest is Ryan Callahan, who is an accomplished author, husband, foster and adoptive dad, and an advocate for vulnerable children. He spends his days coaching, counseling, and helping families go from surviving to thriving. And today he's here to talk about his book, Save the World by a Placemat. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. Well, you know, Ryan, I was honestly really intrigued when I got your book, Save the World by a Placemat. In fact, I love that you wrote it because I've admitted before here on my show that my blended family did not get to the table every night. And I do wish that I could get to do that part over. But since I can't, my hope is to help other families that still have time to implement this in their daily practice. And that's why I really wanted to have you here today. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your blended family and then get into why you wrote the book and why you have the opinion that families should get to the table more. Absolutely. So um, a little bit about me. We live in Rapid City, South Dakota. Um, That's my wife and my two adopted kiddos. Um, They're eight and six, Annabeth and Sylvester. And we actually adopted them out of foster care. So my wife and I have been foster care parents for A little over five years, Um, we've had all sorts of different kids come in our home, um, all different kinds of races and ages. And um, so when you say blended, 100% our family is blended and we've got kids all over the place. Um, Some are back with their parents, which is ultimately the goal. Uh, But sometimes then they end up in other homes or other situations. But if they're if they ever come into our house, they're always ours. And uh, at least that's how we treat it. Um, A little bit about kind of my work and what I do. I work with vulnerable children. So I work with sixth grade, sixth grade all the way through 12th grade on a daily basis and then their families. So um, I counsel and do, do all sorts of different things. I help them really just kind of see where the, where the student is and then uh, how the family's interacting with them. And then I try to just give them tips and tricks uh, to help the interaction and to just really ultimately thrive. Um, But the book really came out of this, just this heartbeat of, we were sitting in a foster training and I remember the trainer, uh, she's actually died of cancer. And um, I remember telling my wife that I one day would have enough money to fly down and then just put a recorder in front of her and let her teach this information to the world. But I remember sitting in a class that she was teaching and we were, we were being taught about just just children in hard places and stuff. And, and she, she goes, okay, I'm going to just stop right here. And I need you to listen because this is, this message is the most important. Like you're going to learn a lot of information, but if you do this, only this thing, uh, every kid that comes in your home is going to find healing and hope. And she pulled out a plastic placemat. And I was like, there is no way. Like I, I was almost like this lady's a kook. There's no way this is true. But so what happened was she began to explain that there's really uh, identity is formed at the table and that we have an opportunity really to speak uh, a new story over kids that don't have um, structure or boundaries or or any sense of belonging. So really the the heartbeat of the book just kind of came out of that. I wanted to honor her. Uh, I also just wanted to share what has worked with my per- my family and then all of the blended families I work with uh, all the time. 
So that's kind of the heartbeat of the book. Well, I love it. I think it's absolutely amazing. And by the way, I love what you're doing to help vulnerable kids is just a really, really special thing to do. And especially in the world today, I think that kids are struggling now more than ever. So I just wanted to say thank you for doing that work. Um, But I want to discuss kind of how we got here because I know that when I was a child, we had meals at home every evening and we did always sit around the table. But as I grew up and my parents divorced when I was 12, that started to diminish. And even in the people, my friends around me, I saw that it was diminishing as well. So can you talk a little bit about what happened to the family dynamic over the years? Like why did mealtimes dwindle away? Yeah, so there's kind of a lot of different factors going on, but really uh, America specifically was an agrarian style uh, home. And what that meant was typically a lot of the families were farming families, and then they grew out of this just sense of like, we have to work together, and so everything we do is together. And as time went on, you know, with the Industrial Revolution and all these different changes technologically, our society began to change. So jobs changed and families changed. And and then there was this crazy thing that started happening in homes where the architectural architecture and the design of homes began to change. So there was a period of time in which homes really faced outward and it was really community driven and that, you know, streets were on this gridlock system. And And there's a lot of cities that you go into nowadays where you can still see this system in place where all the faces, all the the main rooms kind of face the uh, porch going outward. And it's really family oriented and neighbor oriented. But what happened as we got technologically advanced was we began to to, uh, have more leisure time. So we didn't have to go milk the cow and and then do the the crops and do all these other things. We could uh, sit in the home and and read a book or watch TV. And as, as these advances came along, it became, we got more leisure time. And so this leisure time, then we got to choose what we wanted. And so what happened was the family began to change in the midst of that. And there was a process of really just kind of moving, not intentionally, uh, but sort of unintentionally away from what connected the family. And a lot of the agrarian style of uh, home would eat all meals together, not just one. And so there was this connectedness because we work together, we play together, we eat together. And there's this sense of like deep rooted identity in that. Where as we moved along, it became less important and not, and I don't think anyone, you had mentioned earlier in the call that like, you know, you wish you would have done it. And I think a lot of people carry guilt when they hear my message because they, they know it's important, but I, my message is really twofold. It's yes, we need to get back to it, but there, you don't uh, lose the opportunity, right? Maybe life sort of went a different way just like our society. It's not like we did this intentionally. We, we ended up learning that there are unintended consequences to changing the way we interact with one another. And some of these with, like you said, with divorces, with uh, blended families, you know, um, not everybody gets on the same page with it. And so there's, there's some difficulty and challenge in it, but um, I definitely think the agrarian style uh, had the table as kind of the main focal point, and it actually made their families thrive. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, when I married my first husband and my kids were really small, I was doing table meals. But then when I remarried and formed a new blended family, we all had such different ways of operating. His kids were kind of on an eat whenever you're hungry plan. And then I had more structured meals. Like my kids, it was like, Nope. You get one snack between meals. And like, I was very structured and he wasn't. And so, and his kids would be more comfortable sitting in front of the TV where, and so then I would like, a lot of times I would force the meal times and then I'd get frustrated with their behavioral issues because they didn't want to be there. And I know for some blended families in general, it just can be hard because there tend to be a bit more chaos. There's multiple kids to take around and there's homework and school activities and such. Um, but I, it's right. just it's just not less important to have mealtime. I think for blended families, it's even more essential because that's where the real blending happens. Like you said, the, like the real bonding and blending happens at the table. So I want to discuss now the benefits of having that regular family mealtime. So tell us, tell us what comes out of that. Why is it so beneficial? Yeah. So the table and and a placemat at the table because. Part part of this is just like uh, when you sit down at a table. Um, if there's if there's a family or a unit, maybe you're in a business. This works really anywhere. But when you sit down somewhere, um, that becomes your seat. So you begin to sort of identify with that seat. Um, when kids are young, they they're in a high chair, but then they move up to this graduated sense of like this is my chair and no one sits there. And so what happens is um, a placemat and a place at the table heals the mind, the body, and the soul. And, the, and how that lives is uh, what happens is the mind is molded at the table. In fact, uh, I'm a big reader and I like to read and I like to consume information. And so I thought when we got these foster kids, we're going to read books every night. And what I found was the research says that kids actually learn more words at the dinner table than they do out of just reading books. And I was blown away. I was like, okay, yeah, right. But then I looked at the numbers and it was like tenfold. So they, they learn like a hundred words reading a book where they learn a thousand words just sitting there talking. And so I began to sort of look at this and think, hold on, maybe the mind actually needs sitting down and talking and learning and all of these things. So I was a missionary for a little while in South Africa. And one of the things they really stressed was like getting to the table because the only way, and this is what they would say, is the only way you're going to learn our language is by listening to it and trying it out for yourself. Mm-hmm. So the mind really does need this, this connection with other people. And it really kind of takes you through uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like you're getting your basic needs, you're getting your air and your food and, and your shelter and and all that's happening, but there's also structure going on. So there's discipline happening at the table and you're learning who's in charge and, and what the rules are. And, and, you know, like when we bring a foster kid in, uh, their mind is, is wrapped around chaos typically. So they don't know who's in charge and they don't know what the rules are and they probably don't sit down ever to eat. And so it's this place where we can sort of shape the mind in a way to teach them hey, look, here we go around the table and we tell each other why this is important or that's important. And so there's that aspect of the mind healing when you're sitting there, but there's also the body. So it's been proven over and over and over again that when you eat with other people, uh, you typically eat less. And what happens is you actually measure how much you eat by who's around you and what they're eating. 
And so really, uh, you end up actually eating healthier. So <laughs> business guys, when you go out with a, a, for a lunch or whatever with them, they'll, they'll actually order something leaner than you do. They want you to order first because if there's this uh, respectability that comes with the table that there's this uniformity. I want to I want to eat right because I think that's what you want from me. And so actually families that eat together, they eat more healthy, uh, more regimented. And then mom typically in these situations, mom or dad, whoever is uh, typically the chef will kind of divvy up the sides and how much you get. And so there's this sort of portion control. And so for a young kid, they're learning, you know what, my body only needs a certain amount of fuel. I don't need a ton. And as they grow up, they actually portion how you portion. And then there's this other component that I think really just ties the whole thing together. And that's the soul. We all want to feel connected. Uh, we actually are wired in such a way that we we want to belong to something. And so when the table doesn't exist, uh, kids will go out and they'll start to do drugs and they'll start to um, join gangs and they'll start to sort of push the boundary as far as they can because there's no sense of identity. And with my family, uh, our last name's Callahan. And so there's this identity that goes along with being a Callahan. Like it's a respectable name because we've sat here and no, you can't sit there because that's Annabeth's spot, but this seat's open for you. And so there's this dynamic of like, Annabeth knows her place now and Sylvester knows his place. But when they first came to us, they didn't know. And so there's this process of like identifying yourself with something that matters that really heals you. So it heals mind, body, and soul. I really, really love that. And I love it because, first of all, taking advice from somebody like you, I feel very comfortable because being a foster parent is like being a step parent on steroids, I would say. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yep. I, I, you'd probably agree with me. I don't personally know from experience, but I know how hard it is to be a step parent. And I know how hard it is for my listeners. But when you are a foster parent, it's it's just completely different, right? Because you're you're coming in, your both parents are new here to this child. And so right. the, the advice is really amazing. And I think that it's just also good for my listeners because even even any blended family, I love this idea idea of your children all having their own space, their own spot. It really shows them their place in the new blended family, in the new unit. And so I really, really like that. I mean, I would even say like even a project, like design their own for little ones, they can design their own placemat maybe, you know, I think that that would be just a fun little project. So I love that. All right. So now that we established how important it is to get your family to the table, now we need to help. We need you to help us figure out just how exactly do we do this? Because in many traditional homes, it's easier to do it. But in the blended home, we're met with some added challenges, such as getting both sides of the family to agree and participate and working around so many different schedules. So Ryan, can you please give us some tips on how to set this up for success and how to like avoid resistance? Yeah, so huge question. Great question. And I think there's some different elements that I'd love to touch on before we kind of get some more of the practical. And that is step families, blended families, just the, let's say the family is, is broken up and there's, it's just single parents. Um, that creates its own dynamic, 
right? Uh, let's say they both get remarried or one party gets remarried. All of a sudden you have kids going from one structure to a different structure. And so they eat food at the table with this family, but they don't eat food at this table with this family. And there's this back and forth nature where the, where the kid, you would think the kid is, is getting confused or the kid is not getting the healing they would need. Like I speak about, um, or let's say dad doesn't want to come to the table and, and he's not going to come to the table and mom's going to have dinner with the kids. Well, um, actually it still works. So I've worked with families where that's the case where they don't agree. And so one just says, you know what, I'm going to, I think it is a priority that I need to live by and that our kids will benefit from it. Well, what happens usually over a period of years, it's not a quick turnaround, but the other spouse will listen in. So they might be watching TV. And so they turn the volume up because they're just angry or whatever it is. And what happens is they start to see that the kids begin to blossom in that environment where, where communication is both directions, where there's discipline happening at the table, where there's fun moments, you're laughing and you're playing a song on Alexa or whatever it is that you're doing. There's this part of you that um, wants to be there. Like even if you disagree with the practicality of it, you want to belong as well. And what I've found is parents actually blended family parents end up meeting together and going, you know what? I think I was wrong. I think what you're doing is working. And so then they join them. So you, you talked about schedules and you talk about, well, how do, how do I do this? And all of it is completely overwhelming, all of it. And it doesn't make sense to believe that tomorrow, just like anything we do, we can't change everything tomorrow, but I bet we could have dinner with the family one night this week. And so um, from a practical standpoint, uh, maybe it's the night that nobody has a game. So I don't know what that is. Is that Saturday? Is that Sunday? Is that Thursday? So you just pick a night. Some people go, well, nights don't work. Okay, well, what about breakfast on Saturday morning? You know, because it's not about the time in which it happens. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact that it does happen. And so there's there's always, and you know, this is as well as I do, like, let's say you go work out, right? We all want to be fit tomorrow. Well, it's not tomorrow in which we get fit. As long as we just show up at the gym regularly, we'll eventually get fit. Um, so the same thing with the family and the table is there is going to be disagreement and there is going to be, you know, I don't like this, or this is boring or, you know, depending on the age of the kids, but I've seen kids and I actually tell a story in the book where a single mom after a divorce ended up watching TV and she thought, you know what, this is a way my daughter and I can blend, you know, bond with one another and watch a show together and eat dinner. And what happened was they started growing apart. And so over a period of years, she realized, you know what, I don't even know where my daughter's at. Right now. I don't know what she fears. I don't know what she's, you know, excited about. I know nothing about her. In fact, she doesn't even want to watch TV with me anymore. So over a series of years, she began to just eat at the table with her, her new boyfriend and um, they just sat down every night and they would invite her and they would say, you know, you're welcome here. There's a spot here. It's just for you. And she said, no. And she said, no. And she said, no. But over a period of years, she saw this girl would poke her head out sometimes and see, do I still have a place? Am I still invited? And ultimately what happened is the girl ended up 
sitting down and eating a meal with them. And over a series of years and then subsequent months, she now wants her friends to sit at the table with them. And there's this, even though it took that long, it was still worth it in the end. And this mom just raves. She's like, I'm telling you what, I'll tell anybody till I'm blue in the face, just keep inviting. And so if it's a spouse that disagrees, it's a simple, hey, you're welcome. I don't want to fight. There's no, there's no fight here. It's you're welcome here, just like everybody else. And I want to know what's going on in your life. And I care about you. And I see you. And I feel you. And I want to know what stress you carry. And so as, they, as kids age, right, there's just going to be different moments. Sometimes the seasons are busy. You're playing soccer. You're doing this, you're doing that. So you're just going to have to get creative about how often you can get to the table. Yeah, well, and that's great advice. And I like it because you don't have to feel overwhelmed and feel like, oh my gosh, well, if I want to do this, I have to, you know, do it every night. No, you don't. And I like that you said that, Ryan, even if you just start with one night a week at first, just to try to test it out and see how it works. Uh, Ryan, one of the challenges that I know is very typical in blended homes uh, is that there are often great age differences among the children. And so families have young kids who might have a hard time sitting still and not making potty jokes at the table. And then they might have brooding teenagers who don't want to conversate. And so they might find it hard to find a common ground. And we used to have a conversation starter that the times that we did sit down and we called it sunshine and cloud, and we would all go around and speak on the best and the worst part of our day. And that would always kind of start off some good conversations. So I want to know from you, what do you suggest to be sure that everyone is involved in the conversation that's at the table and that they find the experience to be good enough to want to continue it? Yeah. So great question. I think the last part is really where I'd like to start. So you said good enough to keep going. Um, Every human being wants to be heard. Mm. So as long as you can get them to talk, they will want to be there. Um, There was a school here locally that had a really ridiculous truancy rate. So they created this amazing incentive program to get kids to come to school. And it sort of worked for a while, but then something happened like a Christmas break or whatever. So then they tried to do the incentive program coming back, but the kids went, ah, it's boring. So one teacher who wasn't important in the hierarchy of leadership or whatever just said, hey, I've got an idea. What if we just sat down and we sat in a circle and just asked, how was your night last night? And just let everybody talk. And the first period of the day, that's all we would do. Well, they found that kids wanted to come to school. Because kids were actually feeling like they belonged and that they mattered and that somebody actually was listening to them. So you talked about teenagers don't want to talk. You're right. Until you ask them a hundred times the same question. (laughs) And then they'll talk (laughs) because they actually are in this phase where they're going, I actually care about my parents, but I'm, I have to like find my own way now. Um, and so as they navigate that, they go, well, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if, uh, I tell her something or him something that they don't like to hear? How am I, how's it? And so they're doing this dance where they're literally just going, are they going to be consistent? So we had five girls in our home of varying ages, baby all the way to teenage, five girls. I mean, for one, yeah. that was just kind of overwhelming God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> With, within our two. But what was beautiful was we do this practice where we 
we just say, you know, what was your favorite part about today? And everyone's expected to say something. So, and you can't say the same thing you said yesterday. So that's, it's just very simple. There's nothing, uh, you don't have, it doesn't have to be an elaborate story. It can be one word or it can be whatever, but everybody's got to say it, even if you're not feeling great. And what it does is it starts to rewire the brain to say, look, tomorrow I'm going to look for something that's good because I know I'm going to show up and Ryan or Rebecca is going to ask me how, you know, what was my favorite part? But we also do this practice where every, every once in a while. So if uh, uh, these girls stay with us several weeks, but uh, at the end of their stay, what we do is we go around and we tell them why we love them. And so by name, we will tell them it's, it's almost like a sending deal for us. Like we want to say, look, you've been a blessing to us and obviously age appropriate, but you just telling the kid, I love you. And this is what I love about you. It's not about what you wear and it's not about this and it's not about that. It's about who you are. It's your character. It's how you smile. It's how you laugh. It's, you know what, when you did this and we, and we tell stories and what's beautiful about it is we also make that person tell the group basically what they love about themselves. And as we've done this, even with our own kids and with ourselves, you're, you're building self-esteem. You're, you're allowing everybody there is benefiting. And at first it's awkward and sometimes kids don't know what to say. And, but there's not really an expectation other than we just want you to talk because we care. And I think when people genuinely know you care, they are going to talk. And so how often do you have to get there to get them to talk? It really depends on the kid and or spouse. I love that all so much. You have no idea. All of that I love. And I agree with you. Yes, most people do want to talk about themselves and uh, and have somebody that they feel is listening and caring. So that was just really amazing. Thank you so much. Um, I imagine that a lot of my listeners might be in a similar situation as I was years ago, which is that I had gone so long without setting up the family meals that I felt like it was too late to ever implement it. And so as much as I tried, it always fell apart. And so I'm asking for my listeners who may feel like I did, Ryan, is it ever too late to begin this practice? And I know you sort of answered that a little bit before. Um, so if not, what are some tips for rolling this out after a family maybe has gone years without doing so? Yeah, so there's something, we all love Thanksgiving. Um, and some it brings its own stresses, right? But we love the idea of gathering together uh, with lots of food and lots of people, usually family comes together on those days. and which can be the stress, right? If, especially if there's blended and multiple and are they going there? Are they going there? And that, that those stresses are there, but there's this beautiful sense of we're all coming together to celebrate life. And so you're asking the question about um, when it, when is the worst time to start? Well, never. Um, did I miss it? Right. I was in a conference one time and a lady at the end, I did question and answer. She raised her hand and she was in tears and she says, Ryan, um, I missed it. I, I, I missed it. Like I didn't never had a meal with my kids all the way through. And she's just bawling. Mm. And I walked up to her and I said, look, look into my eyes. I need you to, I need you to see me. You didn't miss it. You didn't know. Mm. So there's, 
you know, we, we can't do anything about what we don't know. And if we don't know the power of something and how it can, how it can actually change our lives, then how should we be responsible for it? And so I told her, you get to start right now. I, I guarantee you, you probably have a cell phone. I, I, I would say step one is call your family and say, I would like to have a meal with you. Mm. And I would like it to not be at Thanksgiving. I, you pick the day, you pick the meal. We can go out to eat if you want. I just want to get to a table and I want to see how you're doing. That foreign, these kids are like, whoa, what? Mom's calling me to have dinner with me? They may not even know the significance of it. But then there's this beautiful thing that happens is we all carry these immense amounts of guilt. And, and it's like, that's not, no. If you don't know, or you, or you got too busy, or you, you know what? You designed your home with the bigger entertainment center and you just didn't do the family. That's okay. Because now, now we know, now we can do something with it. Well, thank you for saying that because that does help alleviate some of my guilt for not doing it. It's funny that you brought up Thanksgiving. That was the only holiday that I would be able to get everybody to sit down and I, I would beg them and they knew, they knew like this, they had to do it for Thanksgiving, you know, and I would always make such a big thing about it. And then they would sit there for like 20 minutes and then it's, you know, we would go do our thing. What are we thankful for? And then it's like, who's burping, who's jumping, who That's right. up, and, you know, but we, but I would like, right. just, please just let me have my 20 minutes. So it's just funny that you said that, but, uh, well, for the listeners, I highly recommend picking up the book, save the world by a placemat. It is such an easy read, but it's very profound. It can make a huge difference to your family. Ryan, where can people buy the book and also how might they connect with you? Yeah. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, just first of all, for having me and for repping the book and just asking questions. I really appreciate it. Save the world by a placemat is available on Amazon. It's $10. Um, and like you said, it's super easy to read. And I did that on purpose because I really wanted it to be a primer for people. And then I wanted conversation to happen after that. So I think the beauty of any book or any piece of work is, is what happens after. So if we learn all this stuff and we don't apply it, then what is it worth? Uh, but I love, I would love to connect with listeners. So in the book is my email address. Actually, at the end on page 97 is my email address and I'm open for anything. I actually had a doctor call me recently and he's about to get married. And we, we had amazing conversation. He was like, well, what's, what shape, you know, table should I get? And he was asking very technical questions. Uh, which I loved dialoguing with because I think he knew the power of it. And he was like, now I need to use this in my world as I have kids, as I do these things. Um, and actually he's marrying another doctor. So he was like stressed out about well, <laughs> what if we can't make it to the table and all these other things. And I said, well, you could probably meet in the break room, right? At your work or whatever. There's always a way around it. So I love conversations. So Please don't hesitate. If you get the book and you read it and you have questions, no question's a bad question. And even if you want to tell me your story, I'm, I'm all ears. 
Well, that's great. I'm going to add all of your links to the show notes. And for the listeners, stay tuned at the end because I am giving away a copy of the book because it's just amazing. And for anyone who doesn't win, I really highly suggest you go out and get this. There's one other quick thing I wanted to mention that Ryan did, and it just it just shows uh, what type of person he is. And it's, it's it may be something small, but I think it's a big deal. He actually changed the font in the book um, to this other font. And I, I'll let him talk about about it. Go ahead, Ryan, explain why you did that. I just thought it was very sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you. So my daughter has dyslexia. And at first we thought it was a learning thing and, and all this, but anyway, we found out it was dyslexia. And what, you know, whenever I think about her reading this and seeing her name in the book and some of that kind of stuff, I'm like, I want her to read it without difficulty. And then I went, you know what, if I want that for her, how many other people suffer with dyslexia as well? And I was reminded that my brother actually also struggles. And he, he sent me a message. He was like, thank you so much. Cause it's so much easier to read for my eyes because I'm not flipping things and doing. And, and for me, it's just like, I, why wouldn't you, you know, it just seems so easy. Well, it, it just goes to show what, what type of detailed person that you are. Ryan, before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is don't feel like you've lost. Mm. Everybody is at a starting place. And it's really easy to get discouraged by how someone else is doing. Uh, But that's really not what I want you to hear. I want you to hear, I want you to believe that you, you have the ability to meet with people you love. And it could be a neighbor it could be a, a veteran down the street. It could be somebody that you support or volunteer. It doesn't have to just be a family. Because I, I think there's times where people may be listening and go, you know, I'm single. Well, it still applies to you because you want to belong and somebody else does too. And everybody's on a journey. And your journey is important. And the starting points today. So maybe in quotations, you've messed the whole thing up. Well, so have I. But if I get to the table tomorrow, then I've won the day. And that's all that matters. If we win days, we win years. And so that's what I would say. Well, that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show to share your amazing book. Your message, Ryan, I believe, is one of the most important messages that families can really receive today. The world might not be in a great place right now, but we can make sure that our families are, and that starts really with us. So thank you so much for the work you're doing. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you today. Melissa, I thank you so much. Uh, you've been It's just been fun to be with you today. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan. And as promised, we're giving away a copy of his book today. And the winner is Carrie Schrader over at Hotmail. So Carrie, I will be emailing you to arrange shipping for the book. And like I said, anyone else who wants an opportunity to be entered into these giveaways, all you need to do is be a member of my list over at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. Thank you so much and have a great week. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.